When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. There is nothing I love more than an amazing meal with high-quality meat cooked at home because... Let's be honest, eating out is so expensive. And you also know that eating out is the number one budget buster. That is why I am so glad I found ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a premium meat subscription service dedicated to delivering high-quality, grass-fed and grass-finished beef, organic chicken, pork-raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood directly to your doorstep with free shipping always. You even get exclusive member deals, recipes, and a variety of high-quality cuts at an amazing price. New users will receive their choice of two pounds of ground beef, three pounds of chicken thighs, or one pound of premium steak tips for a year. Use code ETM and get $20 off your first box at ButcherBox.com. Last night, we made a beef stew with meat from ButcherBox, and you can taste the difference. It was so satisfying and delicious. And all of our friends that were over for a dinner party, they raved at how good it was. So do yourself a favor and eat better this year with the best meat and seafood on the planet delivered to your door. ButcherBox is offering my listeners their choice of a weeknight meal essential. Three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a year. Plus, get $20 off your first order. Sign up today at butcherbox.com etm and use code ETM to choose your free offer and get $20 off. Hey, I'm Shauna Compton Game. This is Millennial Money, and today we're answering your listener questions. Hey guys, I know it's been a while since I did a listener question episode and I got a bunch of really good questions in. Um, Normally when you send me in your questions, I just kind of answer them in a podcast or maybe wrap it around a show idea, but I collected a couple questions here that I think um, are kind of awesome ones and I'm going to try my best to do at least one devoted episode every month to listener questions because I know you guys love that. And remember, if you do have a listener question, A... There is no question that is dumb, right? So don't feel bad about asking a question. I love all of your questions. And I think really it helps like everybody else listening because we're probably all, you know, wondering the same question and wanting the same answer. So don't feel like you're alone out there. So if you do have a question, you can go onto the website, yourmillennialmoney.com, hit the contact uh, tab. And um, then there'll be a space there where you can write in your question and send it directly over to me. So again, I'll either compile compile those into an episode for um, next month, or I'll just kind of answer them as we go along. But first, before we get into listener questions, I have a really big favor to ask you guys. And 
you know, I, I do this, I've done this podcast since February, 2015, and I do it just out of, um, you know, really feeling, uh, passionate about giving back to you guys. I know when I was in my twenties, I'm in my thirties now, but when I was in my twenties or when I was just getting out of college, um, or heck even now, I mean, there's just so many questions about money and there's really nowhere for you to go to get, you know, I, really good answers. I mean, I, I just believe that there are places, so I'm not going to deny the people that are out there, you know, talking about money, but we need more people, right? We need lots of people talking about money, talking about how to do things right. You know, when you're just out of college, when you're in your twenties, when you're in your early thirties, when you're trying to pay off your debt and you're trying to, you know, buy a house and start a family and build your career and all these sorts of things. And so I just, I feel like a personal calling, a personal mission to, to do this for you guys and to give you guys this wisdom. And you've been so responsive and so amazing. And I've heard, you know, from some, so many of you really that you've paid off massive amounts of debt, or maybe you've gotten um, in a better position in your career, or maybe you finally learned how to, you know, manage your budget or save money or whatever it may be. And that's so exciting to me. So if you have stories like that, please, please, please send them in because I love to read those and, you know, I'd love to give you guys a high five. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you a huge favor. And this is something like really important to me. If you've gotten value from this podcast, if you've had things, you know, shift and change in your finances because of the advice that I've given or maybe, you know, an entrepreneur story that you've heard about, could you please go over to iTunes and just hit the ratings and review tab and just go ahead and write a review. It doesn't have to be long. Um, it can just be a couple sentences, but really that's how we are going to continue to grow the podcast and to get it to an even bigger audience. It already is just blown my mind about what we've been able to do and build kind of, you know, underground, which I much prefer that anyway, but you know, kind of to get to the next levels and to be able to do more cool things and to be able to, you know, come to your cities and and have lots of awesome events and things like that. Um, you know, I need to hear from you guys. So if you, if you could, if you haven't already left a review, that would just mean so much to me. And, um, so it's just a small price that I ask of you. Um, in return, I'm going to keep giving you, um, awesome money advice. I'm going to keep bringing, cool stories to you. And, um, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. All right. Okay. So let's get into the questions. So the first one came in from Stacy and Stacy wanted to know, is TSA pre-check really worth it? I hate standing in the lines at the airport. Yeah. You and me both. I don't know if any of you have been to the airport recently, but, um, I've traveled a bunch in the last six months and those lines are nasty. <laughs> I mean, it can ruin your day when you walk in the airport and it's like, oh my God, I have to stand in that line. Uh, it's just, it's horrible. Um, so I totally hear you, Stacy. Um, and I totally get the question about pre-check. So this is the way I look at TSA pre-check. Really, it's 85 bucks for five years, right? So that comes down to like $17 a year. So if you travel during the busy times of the year or you travel, I would say more than two times a year, TSA pre-check is worth it to you. Um, now I have heard some stories that like TSA pre-check, like the lines are a little bit longer, but honestly, 
they can't possibly be longer than the regular lines. It just it, it can't happen, right? So in case you don't know, the cool thing about TSA PreCheck, and you can go on um, the TSA PreCheck website. I will actually have the link in the show notes. You can go on to their website. You can apply for PreCheck. And if you get approved, it just automatically shows up on your boarding pass one day. So they don't send you any like certificate. You don't get, you know, like confetti falling from the ceiling. It just one day, like you'll look at your boarding pass and be, oh, okay, I'm approved for PreCheck. And so what it means is that you can go to the airport and you can go in the special pre-check line. So they don't have to do a lot of the security um, checks that they do in the other line. You don't have to take off your shoes, which is probably like the biggest perk. Um, Usually the lines are a lot shorter. You're supposed to get treated a little bit better. It's just, it's just, it's way less of a pain in the ass. That's, that's really what it is. Um, and so for 85 bucks for five, I mean, honestly, if it was 85 bucks for a year and I traveled more than like three times, I'd probably still say it's worth it, worth spending the money. But definitely if you travel, you know, a frequent amount, or if you're going away like at Christmas or Thanksgiving or any of the holidays, it, it really is going to help you. And, you know, you can either use the time to get more work done or maybe just to relax. I'm not very good at that, but <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm trying to work on that that relaxation thing. Um, and then uh, Stacy had another question. Like, okay, do you have any tips also for how not to blow uh, my budget before um, I even get on the airplane? Because what I'm finding is that before I know it, I have spent close to $100 and I haven't even gotten on the airplane. And I did a video last year about this. Um, and I actually talk to people all the time about this because when you actually start thinking about it, it's like, oh my gosh, how much money did I just spend? And literally, yes, I haven't even boarded this stupid airplane yet. So the last time I traveled, my husband and I did a challenge and I was like, okay, we are not going to spend $1 before we get on the airplane and let's like actually challenge ourselves to do it. And let's A, like see how hard it is and B, see if there's any new tips we can come up with. So I liken, you know, going to the airport kind of like when you go to the movie theaters now, right? So you can go to the movie theater and you can spend the outrageous price and you can pay the outrageous amount for popcorn, which costs nothing for them to make, by the way. And soda, I mean, those are like two of the, like if you were going to open a business and you were going to ask me like, hey, what should I sell? I would say, you know what? You should sell sodas and you should sell things like popcorn and just mark the price up to some exorbitant amount. Anyway. I'll go off my rant on that. <laughs> so um, it's like going to the movie theater. Like you can do it and still enjoy it, but maybe do it a little smartly or you go and you just kind of break the bank. So if you're trying to find ways to save money, like thinking about things like that is really important, right? So you still go to the movies, but you just do it a little bit differently. So when I go to the movies, um, uh, hopefully I never get actually famous because people would probably bust me for this, but I bring a water in my purse. Guys, I'm sorry. I know you don't have a purse, but you can have a jacket or something like that. Um, I'm not doing anything illegal. I am just being smart with my money. And I'll pop popcorn at home. And I'll go to the local um, drugstore and I'll get my candy and we'll stuff it into my bag. And, you know, we'll go to a matinee. And the matinee is half price. And 
we'll have like a lovely movie experience and um, our wallet will be a little bit fatter. So that's kind of how I do movies. I know it's really hard when you go to the movies. And anyway, this question even isn't even about movies. So why am I talking about movies, right? Listen, if you've been using Mint to manage your money, I have got some news for you. First, the bad news. As you might know, Mint is shutting down for good. But the good news, well, there is a way better alternative that is a personal favorite of mine, Monarch Money. And I'm not the only lover of Monarch Money. Many Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and just raving about it. I used to manage my money with an Excel spreadsheet. I know, so archaic. And it was so time consuming. I tried all of the apps but I just didn't find one I liked until I found Monarch. And I've got to tell you a secret. Monarch is so easy to use with a very intuitive design. You can even collaborate with your partner and you can customize Monarch for whatever your needs are. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Let's go back to the collaboration bit. Because we know money is a leading cause of divorce and breakups, Monarch has built-in collaboration features so you can invite your partner at no extra cost. You can see all your finances, make a budget together, get insights on your cash. Yes, cue the confetti. There will literally not be any more arguments over money. And if you've been frustrated with personal finance apps that are cluttered with ads, difficult to use, or rarely updated, so was Monarch. They built a new kind of personal finance app that's intuitive and powerful ad-free, and constantly improving based on customer feedback. Monarch has a tool that allows you as well to easily import your data from Mint. You can keep all of your tags and all of your categories. After trying Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com etm for your extended 30-day free trial. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Okay, so let's get back to the airport. So always bring snacks. If you're going to fly like all day or you're going to be missing a meal, go get Subway, go get uh, Panera or whatever is closest to you. Get some sort of sandwich that you can pack in your bag because you can still bring food on the plane. This last time we flew at a little like cart stand that had sandwiches at, at Los Angeles airport it was $12 for a sandwich that was horrible. That would have been like 24 bucks for two little dinky sandwiches. You can also bring an empty water bottle and fill it up. Or when you get on the plane, you could just hand it to the um, flight attendant and ask them if they could just fill it up with their water. Um, so you can do that because um, they don't mark water up at the airport too much, but it is, it is a markup. I mean, you are paying a couple bucks for just a small bottle. Uh, you can also get a credit card with the particular airline to avoid the baggage fees. Like I have the uh, city card that is with American Airlines. So I get four free checked bags wherever I travel. Well, that's worth, you know, if there's two of us flying, that's 50, that's a hundred bucks each way. So that can really help save money. 
Um, and then also another thing that a lot of people don't think about is depending on what airline you fly, sometimes you can access the movies that they have on the TVs for, you know, a fee. Sometimes they're free, but I always don't want to risk it. So you can load up movies on your iPad or or your phone or whatever it may be and just watch the movie from your device. Um, it's usually a lot cheaper than, you know, buying uh, the particular movie there on the plane. And they're always going to charge you for Wi-Fi. I mean, this is something that's just not going to go away. So if you absolutely have to work, um, usually the airplane Wi-Fi is through a service called GoGo and um, GoGo Wireless. And you can actually go on there and there's a lot of different discounts that you might be ava- you might have available to you. Um, but if you don't need to work don't work or do something where you don't need the internet because it's kind of dumb to spend an extra 10 bucks on the internet if you're just going to use it for, you know, like emailing your friends and Instagramming. You can do that when you get down on the plane. Okay, so hopefully, Stacey, that's answered your question. Thumbs up to TSA PreCheck. And those are just a few smart ways that I avoid spending money at the airport. Um, Actually, it was not that hard to not spend any money because I had all my snacks, I had all my magazines, I had everything with me. So I wasn't tempted necessarily to buy anything. Um, You know, it's not the end of the world if you buy something, but it's just about like setting maybe a little challenge, you know, like, okay, I'm not going to spend over $10 or $20 or whatever that amount is. And just really try to keep yourself within those boundaries. And um, that way your budget's not going to be blown before you actually get where you're going to travel to. Okay, next question was, From Larry. Larry says, hey, I love your podcast. Thanks so much, Larry. Um, I've been learning a lot from you. I'm getting married in April and planning on moving in with my fiance this September. What do you think about joint versus separate accounts? Um, We've been together almost 10 years and trust each other completely. That's good. That's really important if you're getting married. (laughs) We're also considering opening a high-yield savings account. So could you please explain the pros and cons of an account of this nature? Thanks so much and looking forward to hearing back. Okay. All right, Larry, we got a lot of a lot of meat there. Um, so let's start at the beginning. First, it's fantastic that you and your fiance um, trust each other completely. You would actually be surprised at the amount of couples that I work with who don't trust each other. <laughs> I'm thinking like, oh God, <laughs> like this is going to be a landmine, you know? So you have to tread very lightly on, you know, the advice that I'm giving them and the homework that I'm giving them. I would say make sure that that you and your fiance, um, and this is for any of you listening in, in any relationship, doesn't have to be you're getting married, maybe you're moving in together or whatever it may be, make sure that you have some real honest, open conversations about money. Talk about, you know, what are, what are your viewpoints about money? Um, what are your viewpoints about career? What's going to happen if we have kids? Um, how would you feel if suddenly we woke up one day and we won the lottery or we lost all of our money? Um, you know, those sorts of questions, they're things that people don't really talk about and they're really, really important. Um, and they're not, it's not that you're being selfish or, uh, I don't know. It's not like you're, you're making money, the priority of your relationship, but it's really important because there's so much friction when it comes to money and relationships And I could probably spend just like my whole career counseling couples about money because it's so sticky. And even when you think you've got it, then something else comes up and, you know, you end up in a fight again or everything just gets crazy. So 
that's really important to do. As far as joint versus separate accounts, you know, it really is an individual decision. I'm going to tell you the advice I give, but then you got to, you got to really figure out like what works for you guys. But what I think is really important is if you're getting married, the whole point of getting married is to fuse together your lives, right? So I am actually a big fan of joint bank accounts. I think for managing your money, for simplicity, for avoiding arguments, for avoiding hiding money, all of these nasty things that I see go on, having a joint account is like a handshake between both of you saying, you know what? I trust you. You trust me. We're in this thing together. We got married. We're going to do it together. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't have a separate account for like play money. So what I always tell couples is to set something called the don't ask, don't tell amount. And this is a particular amount that each month you get, whether it's $100 or $200 or $50, whatever it is, it's whatever works with your budget, all right? So you set this amount and each person at the beginning of the month or middle of the month or however you work it gets the same amount of money. They can do with it whatever they want. They can go spend it, they can save it, they can tuck it under their mattress, whatever they want to do, they can do, all right? And you can't ask a question. Unless it's something illegal. I feel like I'm saying the word illegal a lot in this podcast, but (laughs) Um, so they can do whatever they want with it. All right. And so you could have a separate savings account for that purpose. That's totally fine. But oftentimes what I find is that, you know, couples, we don't, we don't automatically have the same salary. So the couples that have separate accounts, it's like, the one person who has a better job, right, is, is going shopping, is shopping in anthropology and, and buying, you know, fancy furniture and is really living the good life while the other partner is struggling. That's not marriage. That is not marriage. I can tell you that wholeheartedly, all right? If you're going to struggle, you're going to struggle together. If you're going to do it right, you're going to do it right together. That's just, I'm going to get off my soapbox, but that is just my advice. Um... So I'm a big fan of joint, but it's okay to have some separate accounts as well. Um, And maybe you open a separate account for saving for travel or, you know, whatever it is that, that you, that you want to, whatever your financial goals are. Um, Also, you got to come up with joint goals. So this is really important, you know, write out like, what are your goals? What are your short-term, what are your long-term goals as a couple? Keep a joint budget, okay? When you start combining the accounts, you've got to make sure that you have a joint budget and that there's one person that is in charge of managing that day-to-day. You can use tons of apps. YNAB is a great app. There are lots of budgeting apps out there where you can take a picture of your receipt. Like, it automatically categorizes things. It makes life so much easier. I swear it avoids so many fights, so many stupid, stupid fights. Um, and so those are just a few things. I mean, like, I know you've, anybody who's listening, who's like been married or like in a long-term relationship, you've probably had those moments where you went shopping and then you bought something that you knew, like you probably shouldn't buy. So it's in your trunk and you're just like praying that the other person doesn't open your trunk. And then when they're at the gym or when they're asleep or something like you, you know, you hurry down the stairs to the garage, you open, you know, you open the trunk, you get it out, like you run it upstairs really fast and then you hide it in your closet and then you put it on and then your partner or spouse says, oh, hey, that's really cool. Is that new? And you go, new? No, this has been in the back of my closet for years. I just haven't worn it. 
right? Come on now. I know there's so many of you listening. They're so guilty of this. I've done it. I have done it. I'm going to admit it. I have done it in the past. Okay, so basically what I'm saying is if you have joint things, you have joint accounts, you have a joint budget, you have these don't ask, don't tell amounts, um, you know, it's just a really easy way to avoid friction. All right, so if we're going to talk about um, the high-yield savings account, the difference really is is that your, your bank, wherever you bank at, if it's what's called a brick and mortar bank, so I'm talking about like Bank of America's, uh, Chase, Wells Fargo, all of those banks, they're paying a very, very small amount on savings accounts. My guess is somewhere about 0 0.01, 0 0.02, 0 0.03 maybe percent, right? That's really, it's a number that's really close to zero, all right? Um, the high yield savings accounts are with banks like Ally Bank, Discover's got a good one. I think American Express has one. Um, uh, did I say Ally Bank? Yeah, Capital One 360. All of those companies, there's a lot of them out there that have really good high-yield savings accounts. They're what's considered online banks. So because they don't have actual locations, they can pay a much higher interest rate to you. And my philosophy is, is at the end of the day, if you can make $1 or you can make $10, what would you choose? I'm always going to choose $10 all day long. And, and that's what I'm always talking about, about being smart with your money, right? Making smart decisions. So by just opening a high-yield savings account and putting your money in there, you can do all the same things that you can do with your normal bank account, transfer money, use a debit card, um, you know, all of those sorts of stuff that you, that you want to do, you can do with this same account but you're going to earn more interest. So that's really the difference. All right. So Larry, I hope that helped. Um, hopefully that helped a lot of other people because I know there's a ton of questions about relationships and money. And if you guys want some more episodes for me to dig deeper into a lot of this stuff, go on over to my website and then contact me and just say, Hey, I want an episode about this or about that. It doesn't necessarily have to be a question. And I'm happy to queue one of those up. Okay. So Matt says, I've been a big fan of the podcast, been listening to it since the beginning, and I have paid off some debt, but now I have about $10,000 in debt on several different credit cards, and I really hate seeing those numbers each month. I try to pay it down, but it just doesn't seem to go down. Do you have any advice for maybe what I'm doing wrong or how I should tackle this debt? All right, so let's just do a review, Matt, because you've been a, a loyal listener, so I know you've heard this, but sometimes I know... With these things, it's a little bit hard. You kind of got to hear it over and over again. So there's two different methods to pay down any debt. This is any debt, car payment, student loan payment, credit cards, whatever it may be. The first is, actually, before we get to the two methods, um, no, I'm, I'll talk about the two methods first. I want to make sure I do this in a logical order. So there's two methods. The first one is that you look for the lowest debt, all right? So... If you have a you know a thousand dollar credit card, a five thousand, and a ten thousand, you're going to go to that a thousand dollar one first. You're going to pay the minimums on the other two cards or however many cards you have, so the minimum payment, and you're going to drive any extra money that you have available that month into paying off the lowest debt. All right. So once you pay off that lowest debt, then you're going to take whatever you are paying towards that one and roll it onto the second second lowest actually debt, all right? 
And then once that one's done, then you're going to roll it on the next one. You see, so it's a really nice progression, really easy. You can start seeing things chip away. This is my favorite method because psychologically speaking, you're seeing something happening. It's a lot easier to get rid of the smallest debt than it is to go after the the highest debt, just psychologically speaking. The second method is looking for the debt with the highest interest rate, okay? Whichever debt that is, paying that debt off first and then rolling to the second highest interest rate, so on and so forth. Now, with this method, you are going to save a little bit of money, all right, because you're attacking the highest interest rate first. But in my experience, usually the highest interest rate is somewhat associated with the highest debt. So you're going to be stuck back in the, like, can you be persistent enough to just stick with it? It's going to take you a lot longer to pay off that debt. So I'm a fan of the first method. You can't, you can't go wrong with either method, though, all right? Another thing, you want to make sure you get all of your debt on 0% balance transfer cards if you can. So let's say on that $10,000, let's say your payment every month is $200. Approximately $150 of that $200 is going towards interest charges. So really, you're only making like a $50 debt each month, which is nothing. And that's why you're looking at this and it's not going anywhere. So the object is to get as many of your credit cards as you can on 0% balance transfers and then pay off as much as you possibly can in that percent in that time period. So Chase Slate actually has a really awesome offer right now where if you have good credit, not you don't have to have amazing credit, good credit will work. Um, they have a deal where for 15 months you can 0% no balance transfer fee, which is huge. Um so, I, I mean, that's just an, an awesome offer. So I will actually put a link to that offer in the listener notes. So check there if you want to um, see more information about that card. There's lots of other offers. Basically, you're looking for the longest time period. And if you can get a no balance transfer fee, normally they're 3%, but if they can also do no fee, that is like finding gold at the end of the rainbow. All right, so hopefully that helped you. Again, happy to like really dive in more um, if you guys want to really, really, really focus on like paying off debt. Happy to dive in more. Okay, our last question is from Rose. And she says, hi, Shauna, Um, you've helped me so much and I feel like I have a much better hold on my financial life. Thanks to your advice, I set up a Roth IRA last year. Yes, awesome, congrats, high five, Rose. And I've been making the minimum monthly contribution of $50. Looking over my account recently, I noticed there has been a 5.74% sales charge on every contribution. That seems like a very high amount for me to be paying, but maybe it's just because I'm new to this. Thanks for all your help. Okay, Rose. So first again, big high fives on setting up your Roth. Awesome on committing to contribute. Um, I'm so proud of you. That's just awesome. You're going to really thank yourself. Fees are killer. Fees are your worst enemy. So we don't we don't want fees. As much as we can avoid fees, we don't want fees. Um, so basically, like, if you think about... So I have this example. When I was a young kid, um, my grandma loved cheesecake. She loved this, like, special peach cheesecake, right? And so one day, she ordered the cheesecake when we were all at a restaurant. And then right when they brought the cheesecake, she went up to go to the bathroom. So there were, like, six of us sitting around the table... 
And we all decided, well, while she's in the bathroom, we'll all just take a bite of the cheesecake. So we passed the cheesecake around. And by the time I got back to her spot, there was hardly any cheesecake left. So she came back from the restroom and she was like, wait a minute, <laughs> what happened? And uh, we're like, wow, we didn't, you know, we had to taste the cheesecake. So of course we had to order another piece of cheesecake, but the cheesecake was really good. Um, in any event, fees are like that. So they're basically eating through your delicious savings retirement cheesecake, all right? And we don't want that to happen. So every mutual fund is either something called a no-load or it has a sales load. What you're looking for are funds that are no-load. And a load on a mutual fund is really just a sales fee um, on you who purchases the shares of that fund. Some mutual funds require you to pay a load um, on the front end when you purchase the shares or on the back end when you sell the shares. There are um, a ton of mutual funds, though, that don't require you to pay a load whatsoever, and those are called the no-load mutual funds. And what you're looking for are those. So let's just say your load is 3% and the fund is only earning 6%. Then your net return is only 3%, which is just not that great. So there are thousands and thousands and thousands of mutual funds out there, Rose. And what I want you to do is check the funds that you have, check and see what their load is, and then check and see if there's anything else that you like in your options that is no load, okay? Or has the lowest expense ratio that meets your criteria, right? And every time that you look up one of the mutual funds, it's going to tell you what either the load is or the expense ratio. And those are the numbers that you're looking for. So you are awesome to ask that question. I think that's a really important question. And most people don't know that. So don't feel bad at all. Just go back in, try to find better selections and maybe reposition your money a little bit, but keep up on the savings because once you get it kind of locked and loaded, um, it's going to be awesome for you. All right. So that was the end of our questions. Wow, those were only three or four questions, but um, there was obviously a lot to say about those. So please, again, um, put your review on iTunes. It means so very much to me. Please feel free to go over to the website and contact me and put in any episode ideas you have or any questions, and I'll make sure and get those answered. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Shauna Game, Instagram at Millennial underscore Money, and be sure to check out the show notes in the podcast episode to find all the links and uh, related information about this podcast.